This is Tennis Quick Tips, episode 188. Hey, it's Kim from TennisFixation.com. I'm your host for the Tennis Quick Tips podcast. With every episode, Tennis Quick Tips brings you a quick and easy tip to improve your tennis game and to make sure you're having fun every time you step on court. Well, in this episode, you are going to get more doubles tips and strategies than you could ever have thought possible. I'm talking in this episode to my good friend, Mirban Aranshad. You may know him. He is the host of the Tennis Files podcast, and he also hosts the Tennis Summit every year. And he agreed to come on Tennis Quick Tips and give me his very best doubles strategy tips. So in this episode, Mirban gives us not 10, but 11 great tips. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you all about the Tennis Summit. It's coming soon. It is a free online event. And I think when you hear about it, you're going to want to be part of this. So here we go with my interview with Mirban Aranshad, giving us his best doubles strategies tips. I'm talking to Mirban Aranshad today of the Tennis Files podcast, a podcast that I myself have listened to virtually every episode since you came out. Um, Mirban, what year did you start the Tennis Files podcast? Hey, Kim. Uh, first off, thanks a lot for having me on. I really do appreciate it and, and love connecting with you. You do a lot of fantastic work, and I, I love your podcast as well. And yeah, uh, I started off in 2016 with a podcast, so it's pretty amazing that it's been going on for this long. Um, but I really love tennis just like you do, and uh, and that's why I'm, I'm still doing it. Well, that is great. We talked back in 2016 uh, when you had come out were your podcast was pretty new but you have been at it have hundred uh I know you have how many episodes now I'm trying to think what I just listened to one on fitness and I can't remember what number you're at but it's up there in the 160s I think yeah, close. I yeah, it'll get there soon. But yeah, I think uh, one thirty-five was the last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that is a long track record for podcasts, and especially in the tennis space. There's a couple of ones that have been holding on for a long time, and yours is definitely one of them. So, I said that we had talked back in uh, 2016. You and I did an episode together here at Tennis Quick Tips. It was episode. 150 on how to hit deeper ground strokes. Mm -hmm. But why don't you tell us, my listeners, a little bit about you since it's been a while since we talked? Sure. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I started off uh, with my dad bringing me to the tennis court and he also exposing to a bunch of other sports. And I just really ended up loving tennis and excelling at it the most. Uh, and so I, I went from there and, and played a bunch of uh, junior tournaments after getting some, some pretty good training and uh, pr- got pretty high up there in the, in the rankings, at least locally, and around like 200 in, in, in the country when I was like 16. Then I went to, uh, to play uh, college tennis at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which is a D1 school, uh, called a mid-major, I guess. 
and uh, had a lot of fun there. And then after that, I went to law school and actually stopped playing tennis for three years. And it was through my uh, best friend, Victor, who introduced me to USTA leagues uh, that I refound or rekindled my passion for tennis. And ever since then, I, I really loved it. And uh, pretty much uh, there was one day where I was searching for some tennis information. I think it was uh, backhand technique. And, and I kind of looked at some of the sites and they were good. But then it just occurred to me that, hey, you know, you've been playing for a long time. And, uh, you know, people are putting informational content on the Internet. So why not maybe you just start something up and tell people, um, you know, what you've learned through through your um, lessons and experiences and so forth. And so. Then I started tennisfiles.com in 2015, and then uh, a year later, I ended up uh, seeing that there were all these podcasts out there, and I looked for um, an interview-style one uh, regarding tennis, and I think I found like one other one, but I thought to myself that it would be really cool to be able to interview uh, you know, tennis experts, and that's that's when I started the podcast, and uh, it's it's been doing... Uh, really well, just like uh, Kim, your podcast has been doing great as well. And uh, I've been fortunate enough recently to uh, for the tennis channel to actually put my podcast on their their podcast network, which started in August of last year. And yeah, just been doing that ever since, and uh, doing some other stuff on the internet as well. And yeah, that's pretty much the story. <laughs> yeah, I love your podcast because. You don't just talk about, oh, here's how you're going to hit a better backhand or, you know, you really go into all the ways that recreational players can become better players, including fitness and the mental game and a lot of uh, things that the pros do outside of just hitting tennis balls that we can actually bring to our own game. Uh, so that's why I've always enjoyed it. I was saying that episode you did uh, just recently that was all focused on fitness. I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to make <laughs> such a huge impact. So that's why I love uh, all the different experts you bring in. They're really great. Well, uh, Marabon, you are an expert as far as I'm concerned. And you and yeah. I talked about how much I would love to hear some tips for my Tennis Quick Tips listeners from you. And so uh, specifically what we were talking about was doubles because I know I have a lot of uh, listeners who play a lot of doubles, and I'm, I know you play doubles too. Um, mm -hmm. I do almost exclusively. In the summer, I try to get some singles in, but um, year-round it's doubles. And so... Um, I was hoping you might give us your favorite strategies for winning points in doubles because we all need some help there with strategies we can put in use, put to work out on the doubles court. For sure, Kim. And uh, I was thinking about you and your listeners last night, actually, because I had a 9-5 combo match uh, doubles match. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, if, if, if there are any additional strategies that I use today, I'll definitely mention them on the podcast. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And I'll preface it by saying that uh, when I was a junior player uh, and even up until college, I really had no clue how to play doubles. I mean, I was just a, a grinder out there playing singles and 
and uh, in a lot of cases just reacting to what I was given and, and being consistent. And so I started to learn more about doubles when I played college tennis. Uh, my coach would, you know, help me with positioning and so forth. But I want to give you, uh, I believe, 10 tips today on uh, double strategy, and hopefully uh, you can implement, uh, I, I really implore you to implement at least a couple and see how they work for you, and then let Kim know uh, or myself know how, how it works out. But So the first one, I actually group into uh, what's called uh, disruptive plays. And the reason for implementing these plays is to, to throw off the returner uh, and also the, the the returner's net partner. And uh, whenever I've implemented these disruptive plays, I've my teammate and I have always gotten free free points. Whether that's just a missed return, or we're able to pick off the returner uh, when we're at the net, uh, and and we and also you know because in a lot of cases the returner does not know where the net player is going to go. So. Um, these plays that I like to use are the poach, the fake poach, uh, the eye formation, and Australian. So I think you you know you know the poach where you've got the you're serving, let's say, and then your net partner uh, calls a poach, and then that that means that the your net partner will just cross to the other side, and you'll cross as well. And then the fake obviously is where you you act like you're going to to poach but then you actually go back to where you are and I actually like that one a lot too you know after I throw in a poach or two and then maybe uh, the the uh, returner is tempted to go down the line I'll I'll do a heavy fake and then go back and then be able to to hit a volley uh, where I'm at uh, and then the eye formation is a very uh, fun and interesting way to stra- uh, strategize and and uh, and play the game and that's where uh, let's again say you're serving, and then your 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 net partner is actually crouched down in the uh, the, the center uh, of of the of the court, basically, uh, up, you know, up near the net, and then they're going to tell you um, where they're going to go. In a lot of cases, they'll also tell you where to serve, um, but then also what side they're going to go. And so this way, uh, by using this formation, your opponents basically have no idea where you're going to go, you know, because you, you can have the net player go to the left, to the right. Um, and this was huge for me because last night, as I mentioned, I played a 9-5 combo match with my 4-5 partner. We actually lost the first set, and we actually did not use too many of these disruptive plays. But in the second set, and also the third set tiebreaker, we ended up using them a lot. And we didn't get broken in the in the second set. We won that, and then we won the match, and... Um, you know, I, I've used these plays uh, so you know to great effect, and I can confidently say that in a lot of cases, uh, if not, if we didn't use these plays, we would not have won. So I've won a lot of matches with these plays, and of course, all, also the Australian, which is basically, let's say, if you're serving on the ad side, your um, uh, oh, sorry, if if you're serving, yeah, on the ad side, then your partner actually is also standing on the ad side as well. Uh, right. at the net and then you're just then you're just going to take a step um, to that do side um, but 
last night, actually, at se- uh, 8-7 in the uh, third set tiebreak, I called an eye on both plays, um, and I also coupled that with knowing that in the cr- in crunch time, my opponents were probably going to just return across court, and I was able to put both of those volleys away, and we won the match. So, um, so these disruptive plays that I mentioned, that's one whole tip, I guess, for you, but within yeah. that, we're... <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) that's a good one. And with that, that's a good. But (laughs) I agree with you. And I like the word disruptive because sometimes even if it doesn't work, if you go for the poach Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work or like you said, you just fake poach, Mm -hmm. it gets in your opponent's head to where they don't know what you're going to do next. If you just let them sort of get into the groove where you're you're not switching it up, you're always standing in the same spot, you're never moving to try a new formation, you're never moving to the poach, your opponents just relax and, you know, mm-hmm. just doing these things just enough can really screw with their head so that they do start making those errors. Like you said, they miss the return or the returner's partner doesn't know how far over should I be covering the line? What's going to happen next? So that's a great word for it. Disruptive plays. Yeah. Thanks Kim. And I'm sure you see it a lot and I, I see it too. Just like you said, you know, in a lot of doubles leagues and, and matches, uh, the individuals are just staying where they are and, and not moving much. And, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there and you have to adopt the mindset that it's really fun. It's really fun to like yeah. try different plays, move around and, and, uh, cause havoc. <laughs> so, uh, and then my, my second tip for you is, I mean, what I personally like, uh, when I'm serving, I really like, serving uh, wide because I mean I find and when people do that against me too it's it it makes it more likely for my net partner to be able to pick off the return and it's also really hard to hit a down the line winner um, it's it's a lower percentage play anyway so, and, and then you're getting one player off the court um, so then you're really only dealing with like one and a half players I guess so it really opens up the court and I really like um, the wide serve. Obviously, you know, it, it, I guess uh, it, a sub-tip of this is, you know, experiment with different placements of your serve and see how that works for you. I mean, in, in a lot of cases, the body serve is also effective because it's really hard for the, the returner to direct it. But I personally have felt like the wide serve has really uh, worked out for me. I will say that if for whatever reason your opponent has a really good uh, angled return, then you might want to change it up. But otherwise, I like the wide serve on uh, for doubles. Yeah, so. I, I've i used this, and I've used it in some matches, like, over and over. And it just seems like, you know, you serve wide, the returner gets drawn off the court, and that partner never moves to cover the middle. Yes, <laughs> that's huge. And, and I always feel like, oh, I don't know if I can get away with doing this one more time. But some matches, I've just done it over and over where I'm like, I don't get it. Why aren't they stopping me? But mm-hmm. until they do, I'm going to keep <laughs> using it. So that's, that's right. a nice, you know, two shots and you can win a lot of points. Exactly, Kim. Exactly. And then my third uh, tip is, you know, kind of kind of a short and simple one and maybe obvious, but I, I really like, you know, to when you're a team, just figure out who is the stronger server and have that person serve first, um, because obviously you want to be able to start 
strong and you want the person who has a stronger serve to serve more often. Uh, and so there's a couple of times where I've maybe been passive and, and made this mistake and we've chosen the wrong person to serve first. And that's sometimes that's been me um, who's had the weaker serve um, and, and I've served first, for instance. Um, but it's just better overall to just have the person who has a stronger serve to serve first and serve more often. So. Yep. And, you know, I think as a partner, when you're playing doubles, um, you need to think about that. You need to think about you and your partner who has the stronger serve. And if it's your partner, defer to them, you know, set them up, let them let, like you said, let them serve first, let them serve more often. I even, if I think my serve, my partner's the stronger server, I'm like, which side of the court do you want to serve from? You know, like I want them to have, uh, the sun at their back Right. If that's going to help them with their serve. Um, so I think you need to be a good supportive partner and think what's the best thing for my team. And it might be to say that your partner is the stronger server. So let's set them up for, you know, to have a better service game. Exactly. Kim, love it. And um, let's see. So my fourth tip for you, uh, this actually came from a uh, summit session last year, uh, which I'll mention later on, but um, it's basically an event that I host. But uh, Emma Doyle gave a great doubles tip in her session, uh, which is the lob return over the net player. And I really like this because the strongest position in doubles is having uh, two players up at net. And so what this does is it enables the returning team to get to the net um obviously if you hit like a normal return the returner is still at the net uh, sorry at the baseline but if you lob it over the net player's head then you're both at net and then the person who's in it back at the baseline on the opposing team now has to hit a ground stroke or maybe a lob um, back at you so that that you're able to establish that strong position if you lob over the net player and one other thought that came to mind too that is just a personal experience is uh, one time I played w- uh, with my partner uh, a doubles uh, match and the other team actually kept lobbying uh, over my head and also sometimes over his head because he just serve and volleyed every time. And that was also causing him to get really tired because he would have to, you know, stop his forward momentum and then go back. Um, so, so lob returns, uh, you know, is something that you might, that you definitely want to practice in your, your practice sessions and then try and implement a couple of those in the match and see how that works out. Yeah. I always think of this, um, depending on, you know, who's on the other side of the net, if they're a righty or a lefty, because if you can hit a lob return over the net player and make that other person have to run down and hit a backhand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I play ladies. I don't play mixed doubles. But ladies do not want to run, and they do not want to run and hit a backhand. And so if you can hit a lob return over the net player and cause them to have to run that down, that is a great, great way to get a point. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Appreciate that. And, yeah, it's it's uh, it's also very disruptive as well. Um and uh, also, I mean, I mean, this is kind of related to the the doubles plays too. But I I, I don't see enough uh, signal calling um, by the 
um, by, by the server's partner in a lot of cases. So you really want to make sure that you're um, talking with your partner and calling signals, you know, whether that's a poach, fake poach, or like this location of the serve. And, uh, you know, by, by calling signals, it really enables you to pre-plan the point out. Because, I mean, I've, I've played with players who they say, oh, you know, let's just uh, free play, as they call it. Um, but it's always better to, to really have uh, like a, a planned out uh, play, at least for the first couple shots. So I really like having the net player call signals uh, for the server and also alternatively, you know, talking about what you're going to do before, uh, before the point starts. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good one. Um, yeah. and, and and then my next tip for you is that it's really, really helpful to be able to read your opponents and really pay attention to their tendencies, their favorite shots, their return patterns. Uh, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the podcast, um, you know, one thing that I pick up on is like, most players on important points, they have kind of tendencies that they go towards, right? So if it's, uh, you know, uh, let's say break point, uh, the, well, I guess if it's, yeah, if it's break point, then, then you know, it's possible that the, the opponent's going to return cross court, or I guess like maybe a better example is if it's nine all in the tie break, that you're definitely probably going to get a uh, cross court return. So then that tells you, okay, I'm going to go and, and pick off, uh, that shot. Another tendency, uh, if somebody is falling back when they're hitting a shot, that's that's probably a good sign for you to to cross the net, uh, to poach, to pick off, uh, you know, a weaker shot. Um, and also returns, you know, uh, maybe the player has a uh, much weaker backhand. You know, obviously you want to target that. So it's it's really important to just pay attention to what's going on and being aware because in tennis, uh, all it takes is a couple, you know, maybe one one more point uh, that, that you've won and then you're going to win the match. So uh, really crucial to, to pay attention to tendencies and, and things like that. Right. And I think definitely in recreational play, people have those tendencies and you can read them if you pay attention. I think a lot of players don't believe that's true, but they have never thought about it and tried really hard. You can see a lot of shots that are coming and prepare yourself for them. So I think that's a, a great tip. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate that. Um, and so the next tip for, for you all is, uh, <laughs> I well, I don't think this is controversial, but I, it really... It, you know, you're going to increase your chances of winning if you do target the player who is weaker uh, in, in doubles. I mean, you, you obviously you don't have to do this to, to where you're hitting it to, to that person every time unless this is like a, a huge, very, extremely important match. But, um, you know, in situations uh, on the court, you have to be kind of smart about it. You know, like, for example, if you're uh, if you have to hit a passing shot or, or you know, a ground stroke into the net players. Obviously, if you know that one player has a has weaker volleys, it would be much more advantageous for you to hit to that person. And I've caught myself quite a few times, you know, on certain points that were pretty important. And I, I hit to the other player for whatever other reason. And I had I rethought about it and, and told myself, you know, it would have been much uh, more smart to hit to the weaker player. So it's just the fact that, 
you know the 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 purpose of of tennis matches is to 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 uh to win and and to win you have to exploit weaknesses right so yeah uh, that would mean hitting to the weaker player um when when appropriate right and uh not only i mean that's the most basic strategy surely nobody has a problem with that but i think also sometimes to be aware that things can change during a match like you think this person is weaker and then Mm -hmm. suddenly you realize no it's the other player for whatever reason i mean i would say the classic situation i see i live here in houston texas it gets really hot Mm -hmm. i play ladies tennis and one player will be really good, and then somewhere in the middle of the match, she gets really tired, and suddenly she's the one we need to pick on. I mean, you could say maybe that's controversial that somebody's really tired and and they become the target, but, you know, if somebody is slowing down and, and can't get to the ball as easily, then you need to keep watching and see what happens, and maybe you have to switch who's the weak link uh, during the match. Yeah, that is a, a wonderful point. I mean, just like you said, it's it's possible also that maybe one player is just playing lights out, and then all of a sudden, when the match gets close, that same player gets tight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's a really wonderful tip. Uh, another tip for you all is I really like uh, volleying to the feet of the opposing net player um, because that gives you a gr- an excellent target. You know, when I, when I mentioned that I I poached. Um, both of those times that I poached, uh, in the tie, the super tiebreaker, I just picked, uh, you know, a high percentage target where I thought I'd have a, a an excellent chance of winning the point or, uh, or maybe getting a, a even weaker reply. And what I did was I just, I volleyed it to the feet of the opponent because it takes extremely good hands, especially, you know, at the, uh, USTA league level. I mean, there's not too many players who are going to be able to, to, to hit, um, or get too many of those shots back. So uh, it's a great and easy target to to hit at, um, you know, the, the person's feet. I mean, I'm not advocating for hitting their, their head or anything, but, you know, their feet, lower, lower part of their body, um, aiming there, then, um, you know, probably 95 times out of 100, they're going to um, maybe get a part of their racket on it, but it's going to go to the ground or the net. Um, so that's just a, a really great high percentage uh, location for for volleys that'll win you the point. Yeah, yeah. And even if they do somehow miraculously get it back up, they usually pop it up where, you know, the next shot you're going to put away. Because if it's down at their feet, all they can do is hit it up. So, yeah, that's a great, another great way to win a doubles point. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what happened. Well, on the first point at 8-7, uh, the, I volleyed to the feet of the net player, and, and it was not returned. And on the second one, I volleyed to the feet again, and the that player actually had nice hands and got it back, but it was a weak reply, and I had an overhead. So, yep. um, yeah, so that's what happened. But uh, the next tip for you all is I really like to change my return position when I'm returning, obviously. So... Um, you know, one example of this is oftentimes when I have an opponent who's uh, able to uh, hit serves to my backhand, I will actually shift a, a couple steps to the left. Uh, and I, I'm primarily return on the do side, but this works for the add side too. And so what that does is it gives them a smaller window to hit to my backhand. 
and in many cases they they will slice it so they'll they'll aim for the uh, obviously the other side and then in those cases I'm I'm well prepared because I know that it is a good chance they'll go there so um, I don't have any problems personally with just uh, you know split stepping and then moving to to my right uh, and so in that case it's simple tweak of where you're you're standing it'll give you a, a more t- a, a better chance of hitting your favorite uh, shot. And uh, it'll also give the uh, the server a different look and, and make them kind of think a bit. And so I found that that's actually helped me quite a bit in my matches. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, I actually have not done that. But I like that one because same thing. If it just gets in their head and they're wondering, okay, now what are they doing? Why did they move over there? A lot of times that's all you need to throw things off. So that's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. These, these are all these tips, you know, I've been able to implement and, and they've worked out really well. And, um, there's also, uh, an interesting tip, uh, that I, I particularly enjoy. I think it's a little sneaky and it, it really does depend though on the awareness of your opponents. But I have found many, many times that if I, if my opponent has hit kind of a, a short ball that forces me to hit a slice backhand. Uh, I, I play at the 5-0 level and, and you know, sometimes 9-5 combo with 4 5 five O's. But whenever I'm going up and I'm hitting, uh, they see my slice backhand preparation, the, the net player uh, on the opposite side will cross. So I actually really love hitting that down the line. And I catch yep. them most of the time. Uh, and another tip that, that works for me that's pretty much the same thing is a lot of times when I'm at the baseline and I'm on my back feet and they see that I'm I'm like moving like backwards I guess I I hit it down the line because a lot of times again they're they're crossing so those are you know two I don't know maybe they're a little advanced tips but uh, kind of thinking about okay my opponent is probably gonna cross here because I look weak uh, or it looks like I'm definitely going cross court so I switch it up and then I win the point. I think those are good tips. I that I hit a this is my only one-handed backhand that I hit. It's like my emergency shot. My one-handed backhand slice when I'm really stretching and on the run and I hit it down the line a lot because of what you're saying because mm-hmm. I know I look weak. I know when I'm hitting that things are are, are not going well for me. So yeah, you got to come up with some way that you can put it to work for you. And if it's unexpected that you're going to do that, especially if, you know, that person up at the net across there looks like they're seeing it and they're ready to pounce, um, that down the line shot, if they're not there for it and their partner is covering the other half of the court, that's a great shot that's not going to come back at you. So, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. Exactly, Kim. And then uh, my last tip for you, unless I think of some more <laughs> before the podcast <laughs> ends, is uh, it, I did mention it a bit before, uh, and it's related to, to a lot of these, but um, really making sure to to communicate with your partner and more specifically to, to keep it positive, to keep to talk strategy, to when you notice things, communicate it to your partner and uh, to pump each other up and get each other focused as well. Uh, I can't uh, overstate the importance of this. And you, know, you see a lot of times uh, two partners are not speaking and just going through the motions. And it's definitely not a good recipe for success. 
And so, you know, a lot of us can fall into that trap of just thinking about ourselves when we're out there, but uh, making sure to really uh, to talk to your to your partner and uh, keeping the spirits up and strategizing a lot that just it makes it more fun and also makes it higher uh, gives you a higher likelihood of of winning. So, yep, I think it. It, that's true. You want it to be positive no matter what is happening on court. And I always think if I'm a good partner and, you know, I play with someone and they like playing with me, maybe I'll get to play more often. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the captain will say, well, she's good. She can play with anybody. Everybody likes playing with her. I mean, to me, that's ultimately, you know, I want to win this match. And I know if I'm positive with my partner, there's a better likelihood of that. But I want to play the next match, too. And so I want to be sure nobody is going to the captain and saying, please do not ever put me with her again, (laughs) Um, which I don't know about where you play, Mirbon, but here where I play, yeah, that happens a lot, that ladies are very clear about who they will and won't play with. So I don't want to be that player that nobody wants to play with. Yeah, I hear you, Kim. I mean, it's it's not just, uh, you know, you or, or your region, but yes, it happens here sometimes. I mean, that's more likely if, if two players have had some sort of skirmish or something like that, they'll they'll tell me. And I've had people on my team say, like, I really would prefer not to play with this person and, and whatnot. But yeah, um, those are actually the tips. And I, I'd be happy, you know, to field any questions or anything if, if you have them. Well, I mean, those are so good. You have, I counted, 11 different tips right here. And when I do the show notes, I'm going to set them out so that it's clear the exactly what the 11 tips are. Um, And you know what? They're all really good. A lot of them... Maybe players know that know them, but I bet you they're not applying them in all of their matches. And I think if you could even do half of these in your next match, you would sew up your chances of winning. I especially like uh, the fifth tip you said about signal calling by the server's partner, having a plan. I mean, I find that a lot of the people I even play with uh, are sort of just out there reacting, let's see what happens, having a plan, just even if it's, you know, we're going to hit this serve and then try to poach, uh, that's more of a plan than most people are having these days. So I think uh, that's a great one, but all 11 of them, super, really good stuff. Well, Mirbon, this is like a longer episode than I usually do, but you have given like way more than one tennis quick tip. You've given 11 (laughs) quick tips. So thank you. That was fabulous. You mentioned earlier the tennis summit and I have participated in the tennis summit in the past and it has grown to be such a great event in the past few years. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Kim, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to to talk about it. Yeah, it's a really fun event for me and and the audience. So basically what it is, it's a week it's a week long online tennis conference. And so this is this year will be the fourth year of the event. It'll be in uh, late April. Um, And what I do is I um, contact over 30 of the top coaches uh, in the world that I can find and communicate with. And um, what they do is they teach the audience uh, lessons, and sometimes I interview them as well 
on different areas, the, the biggest areas uh, the, of your game, including technique, strategy, fitness, and the mental game. And uh, it's actually uh, free to, uh, to register and to check it out. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I've had some amazing people on, like Paul Anacone, who has coached Roger Federer and Pete Sampras, and Gigi Fernandez, who's won 17 Grand Slam titles, uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy, who's uh, been a strategic coach for Djokovic, and then a lot of the classic online personalities, uh, coaches like Ian Westerman and uh, Jeff Sosenstein, who was also a former pro, Dr. Mark Kovacs. Um, Will Hamilton. So there's just a lot of really great experts on here that are going to teach you everything from your serve technique to uh, doubles and single strategy um, and uh, mental game and, and all that. So it's it's a great event and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. And I've also got a cool little uh, gift for all of you. Uh, if you go to tennisfilesummit.com slash Kim, uh, you'll get a free download of the uh, 2020 Tennis Summit Playbook, which is basically 35 over 35 experts will reveal their number one secret to help you improve your game. Um, so those will be, a, will be a lot of really cool tips as well um, for you all to check out and, and read about. And then obviously, if, if you'd like to attend, I'd love to have you and you can check out all the cool videos and, and whatnot from these experts. So That sounds cool. I will definitely have that um, link that you just gave in the show notes for this episode. You know, what I like about this event is all those people you named, um, are all great tennis instructors and we can all find stuff from them, but it takes a lot of time to track all of this down. The tennis summit really puts all of it together in one package and says, here it is. Here's, here are the top professionals who are teaching online, which is really, for a lot of us, the only way we're going to be able to access these kind of people. And here is one package where you can find it all. So that's what, when I've gone through the Tennis Summit, that's what I really liked is it wasn't a lot of work for me to find them. They were all right there. So it was tennisfilesummit.com slash Kim. And is there anywhere else where people can find you where you'd like to send the people who listen to this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it, Kim. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, check me out at the tennisfiles.com. Uh, there I'll have my you know, podcasts and, and uh, articles and so forth on there. And you can find the Tennis Files, doc, uh, sorry, the Tennis Files podcast on iTunes. Uh, and be sure to, to listen to Kim, you know, before mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's but, nice of you. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm on social as well. Uh, I believe my Instagram handle is tennis.files. And then um, I'll be Tennis Files on, on Facebook. And uh, I think Tennis Files on Twitter as well. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it, Kim. But I just uh, really appreciate you having me on and uh, continue doing the great work. And, uh, you know, people love you. And I uh, really appreciate what you're doing. So thanks for, for everything. Well, thank you, Mirban. And I love your podcast too. And as I said, I'm always listening to it and I'm really looking forward to everything you're going to be putting out coming up real soon here. So thanks for talking us t- to us today. I really do appreciate it. Anytime, Kim. Uh, happy to do it and appreciate it. And everybody have a great uh, great month and keep playing tennis and improving. 
Hey, so that is my interview with Mirban Aranshad of the Tennis Files podcast. This might be one of my longest episodes, but it was truly packed with great information. 11 good double strategies tips that I know you're going to want to put into practice. And I will have those over at the show notes for this episode, which you can find at tennisfixation.com slash quicktips188. And I cannot recommend the Tennis Summit highly enough. As I said, I've done it before. I will be doing it again this year. It starts, I believe, on April 15th and runs for five days. And the lineup of people who will be there teaching are phenomenal. You can find out all the information and sign up to get your free ticket to the Tennis Summit by going to tennisfixation.com slash summit, S-U-M-M-I-T. So be sure and check that out. And that's it. I'm going to let you go because we've gone so long here. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, happy tennis. Happy tennis.